0: Well, Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be in church this morning. I am excited for what we get to talk about this morning, but I have a quick question for you. Have you ever had somebody speak on your behalf? Speak for you? Did it go well? Did it not go well? Have you ever had to speak on behalf of somebody else? Um, At the end of my first year of college, I did a trip to Thailand with uh, some other students from the school, and we were going to run some vacation Bible schools, teach English in some schools, and uh, just help the local church there. We helped with a learning center that was built in that town that we were in, and During our last week, we were there. We were there for a full month. During the last week, we were teaching in one school for the full week. And on the first day at that school, I ended up being so sick. I had to go to the doctor. They had to run tests. It was also difficult because I was 18 and did not speak Thai. And so, I'm trying to explain how I'm feeling to an interpreter, and they're trying to explain it to the doctor. Turns out, I had tonsillitis, it was awful, I could barely speak, my throat hurt so bad, and if I can't speak, I can't teach. And so, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, how we were going to make this work, I was supposed to be teaching classes all day long, and so another person on my team ended up having to speak for me, and the poor guy, Did not know the lesson. He had been teaching something else the whole month and I couldn't speak so I couldn't explain it to him. And so he did a really great job. He took it on. He did his best and he ended up speaking for me. But I think sometimes in our lives we come to a place uh, where we feel like we can't speak for ourselves anymore or we feel like we shouldn't be speaking for ourselves. You know, when things around us seem impossible, maybe we've prayed and prayed and prayed, maybe we feel like we just can't seem to say the right prayer, or we can't say the right thing. This morning, we're gonna look at a story that I believe is going to apply to each and every one of our lives in some way or another. So today we're continuing our altars series. We've been making our way through the Old Testament, looking at stories where God had showed up in people's lives in incredible ways. And in response to that, people made altars to remember what it is that God had done for them, to remember the moments when God met with them, to remember the moments that God showed up in their situations, when he made a way when he healed, and when he answered prayer. When I was, again, in my first year of college, it must have been a good year for me, there was one specific chapel service that I was at where the preacher was talking about building altars. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, like, I've grown up in church, but I don't really remember ever hearing somebody talk about building altars. And what he did is he challenged the student body to think through our lives to moments that could be considered altar moments. Those moments when God undeniably showed up in our situations. And after that service, my team leaders, we had been put in ministry teams for the year, uh, felt that we needed to really reflect and act on what we had learned that morning in chapel. And so, my team leaders challenged each of us on our team to think about how God had showed up in our lives since we had been at school. And we had been there for about a semester. And they had us right down the moment on a rock. And what we did is we went to the side of the road that led up to the school. The school's up on a mountain, and so you have a big, windy drive up. We went to the side of the road, and each of us built a little rock stack as a reminder of what God had done in our lives just that semester and every single time that we drove up to the school there was this stack of rocks for every person on our team and it was a reminder of how God had been faithful to us that year when I was growing up in youth group my leaders would always always encourage us to write down moments when we met with God moments when he moved in our lives and did something incredible This is something that Riley and I tell our youth now. When God moves in your life, write it down. Make a note of it somewhere, somehow, because at some point in your life, things are gonna feel impossible. Because at some point in your life, you're gonna walk through something where you need to be reminded of how God had been faithful to you before. So today, we're gonna talk about Samuel and the altar of prayer. Samuel's entire life, was marked by prayer. He was born in response to the prayers of his mother Hannah. She was considered barren, she could not have children, and Hannah has an incredible story of her own when it comes to prayer and the faithfulness of God. But through her prayer, Hannah gave birth to Samuel. She had made a promise to God that if he had blessed her with a son, that when he was old enough she would return him. To God for his service. And so when Samuel was old enough, Hannah took him to the temple. And here Samuel was raised by Eli, the high priest. He was the high priest of Israel at that time. Samuel was taught scripture. He was taught to pray. He was taught to listen to the voice of God. And we see through Samuel's life, God spoke audibly to Samuel, even at a young age. And so during his growing up years, Samuel saw the Philistines attack Israel and defeat them. He saw Eli's sons killed. And he saw that the Ark of the Covenant was taken from the Israelites. And the Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God dwelled among men in the Old Testament. And at some point in this, Samuel takes over for Eli as the high priest of Israel, and he becomes the last of Israel's judges and the first of its prophets. He was called by God to bring the Israelites from the time of the judges to the time of the monarchy. We see later on in Samuel's story that he anoints King Saul. He is acting like a bridge to help guide the Israelites through this transition. And I don't know about you. But this sounds like a horrible job. This does not sound like a good time. But now we get to today's passage of Scripture, and we're going to work through it piece by piece together this morning. We're going to be in First Samuel chapter 7 today, if you would like to follow along. We're going to start in verse 1 to 4. It says, So the men of Kiriath-Jerim came, came to get the ark of the Lord. They took it to the hillside home of Abinadab and ordained Eleazar his son to be in charge of it. The ark remained in Kiriath-Jerim for a long time, 20 years in all. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed the Lord had abandoned them. Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal and Ashtoreth and worshipped only the Lord. So what is happening here? The Ark of the Covenant is back in Israel's possession for 20 years, and during this time, the Israelites begin to feel as though God has abandoned them. They feel like God is far from them. That he was still so far, even though the ark was back in their possession. Even though the home of the Spirit of God was with them, they felt like God was far. So Samuel, seeing what is happening in the hearts of the Israelites, goes, Okay, guys, I see how you're feeling. I see that you feel like God is far from you. I can see that you feel like you've been abandoned. But here's a thought. Maybe the issue isn't God. Samuel challenges the Israelites to get rid of their their idols because Israel has this habit of creating idols for themselves as well as taking on the idols and gods of the cultures that surrounded them. And I feel like we tend to do the same thing. Maybe even though we don't realize it. And Pastor Jared gave a great message on idols last week. And if you missed it, go back and watch it. But we see all throughout the Old Testament that the Israelites would begin to feel like they needed more from God. That they needed to, to see him more than just know he was there. And so they would build idols to be able to worship God. And they would eventually end up worshipping just the idols and not worshipping God at all. And then they would take on the idols and the gods of the cultures that were around them. And they would do this. And then God would call them back to him, say, get rid of your idols. They would do it. And then a little while later, they decided they needed new ones. And it was this vicious cycle that the Israelites were stuck in. You know, for us, idols aren't necessarily physical things that we create and worship. They could be the way that we spend our time. They could be our jobs, our families, a relationship, possessions, anything. Idols in our lives could be anything. And we often begin to feel like God is far from us. But what I've found most times is that it's because we've pushed him there. Over time, we've added more and more things in between us and God and eventually we realize that we've pushed him so far that we can barely see him anymore. We filled the space between us with so many idols and things that do not need to be there and then we wonder where God went. God did not leave, we pushed him away. He's still there waiting for us to close the gap to give up the idols and to come back to a place where we know that God is all that we need. Samuel saw this in the lives of the Israelites. He saw that they had filled the space between them and God with countless idols and countless gods and that God was still there, but they had pushed him far away. So he tells them to give up their idols The second part of the challenge that Samuel gives to them is to turn their hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. If the Israelites are going to turn their hearts to God, it means that they're going to have to turn away from some things. They're going to have to turn their hearts away from the things of the world, away from the things that are not of God or for God. And I think that we often try to turn our hearts to God, But we always like to keep a little bit turned towards the things of this world. I don't know if you've ever tried to turn in two directions at once. It doesn't work. I can't look at all of you at the same time. Have you ever seen those videos where parents will stand side by side with their small child in between them, and then they'll run in opposite directions just to see which parent the child will run to? It's kind of like that, okay? God's over here saying, come, follow me. I have all that you need. Come, follow me. And you're here going, yeah, I like that. And then the things of this world, the idols that we've put in our lives are over here going, oh, but you want to come this way. Trust me. This side's way better. And we're stuck in the middle, and we have to choose one or the other because we cannot go both ways. So Samuel is challenging the Israelites to repent. And to repent is to turn around. It is to no longer run from God and the things that he has for us, but to turn away from the things of this world, the things that are pulling you further and further away from God, and instead turn towards him, to turn towards the one who can set you free The one who hears your prayers, the one who still moves today, the one who cares and loves you enough to have died on the cross so that you may be saved. We need to give up our idols and we need to turn our hearts to the Lord. Verse 5 to 6, Then Samuel told them, gather all of Israel to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and in a great ceremony, drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. It was at Mizpah that Samuel became Israel's judge. So Samuel says, I will pray to the Lord for you. Part of Samuel's role was to speak with God on behalf of the Israelites. He had all of the Israelites gather in one place together. He had them draw water from a well and pour it out before the Lord. And for the Israelites, this was a symbol of repentance, pouring out the water. Samuel also had them fast from food and confess that they had sinned against the Lord. And during this, Samuel is praying on behalf of Israel for their spiritual salvation. Samuel was an intercessor. Now if you grew up in church, you may have felt similar feelings that I used to feel when it comes to intercession or intercessory prayer. I always heard people talking about it growing up. I remember that my church had a women's intercessory prayer group. I remember old people in my church being referred to as intercessors. But it just felt like this scary, unreachable thing that only the very best Christians did. But as I began to grow older, I began to see examples of intercession throughout scripture, as well as calls for all Christians to be intercessors. An intercessory prayer is simply praying on behalf of someone else. It's not scary. It's not this big, huge, you have to do the right things, and it's this big ceremony. It is simply praying on behalf of someone else to stand in the gap for someone as they carry something heavy in their life. And this could be for so many reasons. It could be for healing. It could be for salvation. It could be for for financial situations or deliverance or spiritual wholeness. But part of prayer is intercession. And I think that we as Christians miss a huge part of prayer when we don't consider intercession. As followers of Jesus, we are called to intercede. We pray for our day. We pray for our job and our families. We pray for our situations. We thank God for what he's done in our lives. And that's good and it's important. And God cares about you. God cares about your situation, and He wants to hear from you. But we miss out on the part where we get to pray for others. The op- that we get the opportunity to stand in the gap as people around us are struggling. That we get to stand in the gap and pray for someone who feels they can't pray anymore. We get to pray on behalf of our friends who are waiting on a miracle, We get to intercede for our co-workers who don't yet know Jesus. We are called, as followers of Jesus, to intercede on behalf of those around us. Verse 7 to 11. When the Philistine rulers heard that Israel had gathered at Mizpah, they mobilized their army and advanced. The Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Don't stop pleading with the Lord our God to save us from the Philistines, they begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel, and the Lord answered him. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to a place below beth slaughtering them all along the way. So as the Israelites are gathering, they're confessing, they're turning their hearts back to the Lord, the Philistines are seeing them gathered, and they can think the only possible reason Israel could be gathering like this is because they're going to invade, that they're going to attack. And we know that obviously this was not the case. But the Philistines thought this was true and decided to attack. The Israelites were frightened, and I love what their first response was in this moment. After turning back to the Lord, after repenting and fasting and confessing, their first response in the crisis was don't stop pleading for the lord with the lord for us. Their first response was not panic. Their first response was not mobilizing an army to fight back. It was to pray. This is what happens when our hearts are turned to the lord. When we face moments of doubt and pain and chaos, our first response is prayer. So Samuel intercedes on behalf of the Israelites again, only this time it's for their physical salvation. That God would save them from the Philistines that were about to attack, and as Samuel is making his sacrifice to the Lord, God moves. The Lord shows up in an unexpected way. He spoke with a mighty voice of thunder, and we can see that this is what caused The Philistines to be confused and disoriented and this is because one of the idols that the Israelites had to give up earlier in this passage was a storm God that the Philistines worshipped. So here is Israel's God showing up on behalf of the Israelites in a way that the Philistines would have believed was not possible. You know I think a lot of us have been in a place like this where we're scared where we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling that way. Maybe you're feeling that what you're walking through is too big. Maybe what you're walking through you can't pray about anymore because you've been praying for years. Maybe you've felt this way in the past, but you've had people in your corner intercede on your behalf. And because of that you experienced God show up in your situation. Because prayer changes things. It changes situations, it changes circumstances, it changes lives. Prayer changes relationships and marriages and families. Prayer brings healing and wholeness and deliverance because God still answers prayers. And we get to verse 12. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshna. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. So why do we make altars? We make altars to remember the things that God has done before in our lives these things that we can look back on later down the road and we can see his faithfulness. Samuel built an altar in Mizpah when God defeated the Philistines. He made an altar and named it Ebenezer and said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Up to this point, God has helped me. Up to this point, he has not left me. Up to this point, he has not failed me. Up to this point, I can look back at the countless times that God has been faithful. So why would he stop now? Why would he fail you now? Why would he stop answering prayers now? We see in scripture that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this idea of interceding for someone sounds scary. I get that. You know, what if I don't know the right things to say? What if I do it wrong? What if I don't know what to pray for? You're not alone in feeling this way. But we can see Samuel interceded on behalf of the Israelites and God came through. Jesus intercedes on our behalf. Hebrews seven twenty-four to 25 says, but because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. Romans eight thirty-four says, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. The Holy Spirit prays for us. And the Holy Spirit gives us words to say. It says in Romans 8, 26, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. He speaks for us. So who are you interceding for? Who are you standing in the gap for? Who in your life is the Holy Spirit bringing to your mind this morning? What I want to do with our last little bit this morning is I want to take some time for us to respond. For us to act not just sit here and and listen to a nice message and then go home I want us to act this morning so the prayer team is gonna come up to the front this morning they can start to come now and if you're able to would you stand with me this morning we're gonna do three things together this morning the first thing is if you are here this morning And you are feeling like you need to turn your heart back to the Lord maybe for the first time in your life you're saying this is a God I want to follow maybe you've been running from him you've turned away but this morning you need to come back to him would you just raise your hand this morning so I can pray for you second thing that we're going to do this morning is if you need someone to intercede for you maybe you're walking through something that feels impossible maybe you're walking through something that's really difficult right now and you just need somebody to pray for you you don't have the words anymore you feel like you can't do it anymore this team up here this is what they do they're here to intercede on your behalf and so if that's you this morning would you just begin to come and allow them to intercede on your behalf. And as you come, those who are still standing in their spots, begin to think of the people in your life who need salvation, the people in your life who need a healing from the Lord, the people in your life who need a touch from God, Begin to intercede on their behalf right where you are. Begin to pray for them. We're going to spend some time in prayer like this for the next little bit, and I'll come back and and close up. But if any of those three are for you this morning, please respond. Allow God to move. Allow him to speak. Allow him to show up. Jesus. you are moving in this place Lord God as we are praying on behalf of people in our lives Lord as we are praying on behalf of people here in our church family Lord Jesus we are believing God that these moments are gonna lead to altar moments God that these moments of prayer these moments of intercession God these moments where we take time to respond Lord we pray that these are gonna turn to moments that we look back on God that these will be moments where we see your faithfulness God that these would be moments that we can look back on and know that you are with us that you did not leave us or forsake us God, that you showed up when it felt impossible. God, that you showed up when we didn't know what else to do. God, I pray for each person in this room who feels like they are walking through something impossible. Jesus, I pray for each person who feels like they don't know what to do next. Lord, would you be so near to them? Would you move in their lives and in their hearts and in their situations, Jesus? We pray for those who raised their hands to turn their hearts back to you, Lord. We thank you that you are still moving today, that you are still changing lives today, Lord Jesus. And in our, in our lives, Lord, would you just continue to move? God, in our families, in our friend circles, in our places of work, Lord? Would you continue to move, Jesus? Would we continue to see miracles happen? Would we continue to see lives changed, Lord? God, would you begin to put people on our hearts that we need to continue to intercede for, Lord? It doesn't always happen in a moment. Sometimes it takes people interceding for hours or days, Lord, and even longer, but God, would we be a people who press on? God, would we be a people who intercede on behalf of those who feel they can't do it anymore? God, would we be a people who pray on behalf of others, Jesus, because we know your faithfulness. God, we know your power because we've seen it before in our lives and we know that you will continue to do it for us and for those around us. And so God this morning as we leave this place would you continue to move God would you continue to speak God would we continue to be a people who intercede like Samuel did God would we continue to pray for those around us that you would move in their lives in incredible ways Lord and that we We'll come to a point where we build an altar to say up to this point the lord has helped us to remember your faithfulness god we are so thankful for all that you are doing lord we thank you jesus we love you in your name we pray amen